all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take over. Take it over. God's got something just for you today. He, he's gonna, he, it, this is for you. This got your name all over it today. It already started with the man on the road to us, and that is girl. Uh-huh. Lift your Bibles up, amen, if you would, as you're standing now. Lift your Bibles high today. Glory to God. It's amazing how much of this year has already passed by. Uh, it's amazing. 2010 is almost over. But I don't know about you, but some of you are probably saying, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let's make our confession together. This is my Bible. Shout it out. Glory to Jesus. Remain standing if you will. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans and Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Do you have it? I want you to go down to verse uh, number 16. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom. In other words, uh, the word is saying, uh, if you find somebody contentious, they didn't get that from God. You, you, you need to hear what I'm saying. If you find somebody that's full of drama, that ain't from God. If you find somebody that's full of issues, that ain't from God. He says, now, if you find anyone contentious, we have no such custom, nor is there any place in the church for it. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. You ever met people that when they got together, things should have gotten better, but things seem to have gotten worse? You, you figure you're two mature individuals and things should get better and you should edify one another and build one another up, but yet things get worse. It says, I do not praise you since when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, when you come together, I hear that there are divisions among you. Paul, the apostle, the father of the Corinthian church says, and I believe it. 
But there are, must also be factions or cliques or groups among you. That those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another's drunk. He said, y'all supposed to be coming together and good things are supposed to be happening. But when y'all come together, anybody got some family issues and drama like that? You're supposed to be coming together and good stuff's supposed to be happening. But Paul is saying, when y'all come together to have communion, one of you is drunk, one of you is crazy, and the other one goes to jump in front of the other person. Look at verse 22. Paul says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in or despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? No, I do not praise you. It's amazing how people that act crazy always want credit for stuff for the, the little bit that they do do, they want credit for it. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, this is my body which is broken, for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore... Whoever eats this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner Well he what's the unworthy manner, Bishop? He just told you. Contention, strife, drama, mess. He said, if you come to my table and want to eat my blood and my body like that, you do it in an unworthy manner and you'll be guilty of it. But verse 28 says, but let a man examine himself, and then let him eat the bread and drink the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, because he did not understand that he was partaking of the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sleep there means die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves... And stop looking at everybody else and what they're not doing and what no no no. He said if you would clean your own house up first, you wouldn't be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brother, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Father, you hear me? And you always hear me. And in this moment, I pray that you would customize this word that is so leveled in its approach to understanding that communion, God, is a time that several things happen. And I pray now, God, that the people who are hearing this by DVD or on the Internet campus or in this place today or by the CD, Lord, that they would get a revelation of communion and a revelation of unity and a revelation of oneness. Because where there is division, there can be no taking over. And so I pray now, God, that you would help us to judge ourselves so that they would not be judged. The good news is that all the bad news is wrong. I said the good news is that all of the bad reports and the bad news and the bad press, the good news 
Jesus says that all of that about you is wrong. You may have done what they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. And it is so. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. High five two or three people as you take your seat and say there's a revelation in communion. There's a revelation in communion. You can be seated in the very presence of the Lord. Uh, in scripture now, there were seven major biblical feasts or festivals, those of which I have taught on before. A feast equals an appointed time. Say appointed time. All of the feast pointed to Christ as the Messiah. The Jews were trying to keep the feast in order to get closer to the Messiah. Uh, but we as believers in Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah. And in him now, we fulfill every feast. Are you still here? Uh, since the feasts are fulfilled in the Messiah, anyone who is in Christ is presented with the opportunity to have communion with God. Say, I'm in communion with God. Uh, which means that the blessing of the feast, and I've told on these before, and I'm going to touch on them just a little bit today, no longer just apply to the Jews, but to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Which means anywhere in this Bible where I read him saying something to the Jew, I can read that as something to myself. Anywhere he promises something to Abraham, I can read that as him promising something to myself. Because if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a joint heir with God. He's a joint heir now with the same promises of Abraham. Abraham. Are you still here? Uh, seven is the number of completion, and there are seven now major feasts or festivals, uh, which means seven now is the number of completion. Say completion. Which means that in these feasts, we find that we enter into completion, or let me give you another definition, we enter into rest, which means this, um, that you cannot limit my Sabbath as a Christian to one day. Because every day I am alive is a day of Sabbath for me. It is a day of rest for me. In Hebrews 8, the Bible says that God punished and rebuked the children of Israel by only allowing them to worship on one day. God says to the believers, every day you're in me, it is your Sabbath. Every day you're in me, it is your rest. Which means if you walk in here tired, you're not resting in God. Are you still here? That's your neighbor say there's a revelation. There's a revelation. There were seven major feasts. I'm going to give them to you quickly because I've told them before. The Feast of Trumpets. There was Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. There was the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths or Ingathering or Alma uh, Mater, Final Harvest. There was the Feast of Weeks, which was the Feast of Pentecost. There was the Day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after Christ's resurrection. There was the Day of First Fruits, which is actually the day that Christ was resurrected. And there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And finally, there was the Passover. Say the Passover. Some of y'all saying, Bishop, what does this have to do with me? I'm getting ready to get to the meat right now. Uh, the Passover was the passing over of the death angel because the lamb's blood was applied at the doorpost of the Hebrews' homes. And the firstborn did not die. And the Bible says that it would be an everlasting ordinance. Now, the Passover for the children of Israel represented them transitioning from a different season to a new season in their life. Uh, it literally meant this. They had spent 430 years in bondage 
For 430 years, they didn't know anything other than slavery. They didn't know anything other than dysfunction. They didn't know anything other than drama. Anybody feel like that? Like, for years of your life, you see nothing but drama and mess and issues. And you look over your bloodline and you say, it's why is it that there's all of this drama and issues in our bloodline? The children of Israel had 430 years of bondage and through one feast called the Passover, which for you and I today is called Holy Communion. And one feast, God took them out of their bondage and he put them into their promise. Uh, See, so there's a revelation. There's a revelation. The lamb's blood was applied to the doorposts of their homes, which literally meant when the death angel, y'all seen Ten Commandments, you know how it happened. When the death angel came to their home, the death angel could not enter their home, not because of what was going on with them or because they were so holy or because they were so right, but because there was a blood of a blameless lamb that was applied at their doorposts. Which meant that what was affecting their neighbor did not have the ability to affect them. You're not hearing what I'm saying. When you're a believer man and when you're a kingdom person, what's messing with other folks won't have the propensity to mess with you because there's some blood that's applied. And you may not be able to see the blood, but anybody know that you've been dead by it and you've been washed by it and that blood kept you from dying. That blood kept that car accident from killing you. That blood kept you from committing suicide when you were at your lowest moment. It was the blood. Somebody shot the blood. So now, Jews can only experience Passover once per year. We can experience it as often as we need it. I'm going to say that again because it's so simple you're missing, you're missing the great death of it. The Bible says, as often as you do this. Now around here we do it about the first Sunday. Uh, but we do that just for planning purposes. But please understand, the scripture says, as often as you do this, which means there's sometimes you're going to feel stuck and messed up and jacked up and depressed, and you need to get yourself a hold of some communion so you can have a Passover moment. Uh, so there's a revelation in it. Uh, the scripture says, watch this, there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. In fact, the scripture goes on to say that life is in the blood. The number one thing that happens in Christ is that the blood starts pleading your case in heaven. Uh, Satan, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren, which means he goes in front of God and he tells God everything that ain't right with you. He tells God that you're a gossip. He tells God that you're a liar. He tells God that you're messy. He tells God that you're this, that, this, and the other. And he accuses you in front of God, Revelation chapter 12. And Jesus steps on the scene and he says, but daddy, while that may be true, I would like to enter my plea. The father says, well, what's your plea, son? I plead my blood. I, I, I know they may have been guilty of it. I know you may have pictures. I know you may have the evidence galore. But I plead my blood. And when I plead my blood, you can't see what they did anymore. Uh, touch your neighbor and say, the blood's pleading your case. It's pleading, it, it, it's pleading your case. The Passover for Christians is called communion or the Eucharist, or the Lord's, the Lord's Supper. It is not a snack. Amen. Amen. Now, now somebody say, we know that, but, but you don't treat it that way. 
I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember coming up in church and, and thinking it was a snack. And when they passed the pass it, I'd be like, you know, let me have another cracker. <laughs> oh, you remember when they used to break the crackers up and you used to try to pick the big cracker? Oh, don't you look at me like I was the only one that did that. You know if you still gave out crackers like that, you'd be doing that too. Watching the plate come by when it hits your eye. Let me don't touch my cracker. Never took cracker. Trying to get two juices. <laughs> In Corinth, when the Apostle Paul was writing them, they thought that they were just eating and drinking. They did not understand that they were literally consuming the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says they drank judgment to themselves because they did not discern what they were doing. Before that, those elements are prayed for, it's bread and grape juice. But once it's been blessed, it becomes the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Which means it is not a snack. It is not something that we do to fill time so we feel spiritual. It is a time for us to experience a Passover moment. That's your neighbor say a Passover moment. Uh, now, you know the story. Leading up to the Passover, there were ten plagues in Egypt. You, you remember this. One of my favorite movies I was telling them this morning uh, is The Ten Commandments. I love it because I love the man that plays Pharaoh. I think he plays that role something tough. I mean, he got man, he just his movements and just, you know, I just, I, I mean, he plays Pharaoh. I mean, if Pharaoh, if Ramses was around, that's him. But you know the story. There were ten plagues. Say ten plagues. Uh, there were ten plagues that came. The first uh, was actually a sign and a wonder. It was Moses' rod turning into a serpent. Now, I need you to get this. You said, Bishop, what do these plagues have to do with communion and Passover and all this? What are you talking about? In order to experience a Passover moment, you have to survive the plagues. I know you think it's supposed to be easy every day and it's supposed to be walking through tulips and everything's supposed to go the way you planned it. But if you want to experience a Passover moment in your life, which means there's some stuff that should have hit you, should have knocked you out, should have killed you, but God blocks you. If you want to experience that, you can't get to peg five and throw in the towel. You've got to endure and make it through all of the pegs. And so if you feel like you're going through some stuff right now, I'm here to tell you, you better keep on being faithful because in this season, you will reap a harvest if you say not. But the question is, is can you survive the plagues? Ralph said it like this, sunny days, everybody loves them. But look at your neighbor, can you stand the rain? Can you? That's, uh, I got the, oh, you got it, okay. Watch this, watch this, watch this. The first sign of wonder was Moses' rod turning to a serpent. So, so let me set you up. Here's how it works because your life goes in seasons, right? So the first thing of the season is you experience what seems to be a coincidental miracle. His rod turns into a serpent. So, so you think, wow, this great miracle's happened for me. I'm in a fresh season of good things happening to me. And then the play comes. Uh, I'm not talking to anybody where the moment something great happens, just like as soon as you get into that thing, a plague shows up. I mean, the plague shows up. The first plague is water turning into blood. It, it, it was the fish dying, and there was stagnation. The water would not move. It seems like, watch this, the first plague in your life, it's seeming like everything comes to a stop in your life. It seems like nothing's going anywhere, and the only thing around you is stinking bloody water. That's, your name, so that's the first plague. 
and the whole trip about it is, is that what the enemy wants you to do is to quit right at that moment because it seems like nothing happening. He wants you to quit God. He wants you to quit church. He wants you to quit reading your scripture. He wants you to quit tithing. He wants you to quit giving because you think everything's stagnant. Nothing's happening for me. But that's only the first plague. The second plague were frogs. So now you have stinking bloody water with frogs. Here's what that means. Not only is nothing happening for you, but now you're dealing with a bunch of annoying problems. Not only are you not moving forward on your job, not only are you not moving forward in your finances, not only are you not moving forward in your career, but now you got a bunch of little small, annoying problems that keep popping up. Am I talking to anybody that says, Bishop, I know about that second plague? And it was at that second plague, the Bible says Pharaoh was getting ready to let them go. And then he changed his mind. And in the middle of all of these small problems, it looked like a great breakthrough was going to come because a new business opportunity had come or a new relationship had showed up or something great was getting ready to happen. And the moment it looks like it's getting ready to open up, God says, shut it down. The moment it looks like your business is finally going to have that breakthrough, God says, shut it down. I'm not talking to anybody. That's still the second plague. Touch your neighbor and say, make it through. Make it through. Make it through. The third plague. There's 10 of these jokers. The third plague was lice or gnats, which means not only, watch this, do you have dirty, stinky, stagnant water and a bunch of small, annoying problems that you have to deal with, but now you always got something in your face wherever you go. The the third plague was lice or gnats. Which means now you always got something in your face messing with you. You, you got a penina in your face that's always messing with you and always trying to start something with you and always causing issues and drama with you and you're trying to figure out what is your problem with me? What did I ever do to you? Why are you sitting here being a gnat to me? And it seems, watch this, to follow you where you go. See, see, the, the, the third plague followed them everywhere they went. Are you still here? It followed them every single where they, they went. So, so, so maybe you got gnats with your people, but maybe you got gnats, which is a record. And everywhere you go, that record follows you. Am I talking to anybody? Touch your neighbor and say, I'm about to have a Passover moment. Because there's a revelation in this thing. Everywhere you go, you, you got a net. It's called your credit report. And it follows you everywhere. It reminds you of all the mistakes you made. Oh, may, maybe you got a net called letters. This is what letters? The I, the R, and that doggone S. And the moment you think you make some progress, click, click. I'm not talking to anybody. Touch your neighbor and say, take your halo off. We're we going to get real for a minute. Don't sit up here looking at me religious with sanctimonious. You got some mats. If you don't have mats, that means must have mean you died at the first plague. Are you still here? Uh, the fourth plague was there were flies everywhere. Except where the Israelites lived. Now here's what's interesting about flies. You, you ready for this? Flies come from maggots. Maggots are parasites. The fourth plague, 
I had a Holy Ghost held for somebody. The fourth plague means you've got people and stuff around you that are sucking and extracting and they're parasitic to your life and you keep them around and God says, I've been trying to show you who they are so I let them develop more than just being a maggot. I let them turn into a fly which now that means they're going to fly right out of your life and you sat there trying to protect the very thing that was killing you. You don't need wings unless you're leaving. I'm talking, I'm all in your Kool-Aid, so I know that's why some of y'all ain't saying nothing. It's all right. Preach, Bishop. <sighs> Maggots are parasites. But check this out. Maggots feed on dead things. So, so Bishop, what does that mean? What, what, what's, that, what's that fourth plague? If there are flies everywhere, that means there's some dead things that you haven't put out of your house yet. There's some, as I talked to them this morning, there's some doors that you should have closed in your life that you left open. And it's dead and it's been dead. There's no life coming to it. They can't resuscitate it. Air helicopter ain't going to be able to fly into the hospital that's going to be able to fix it. It's dead. I mean, there's no life coming back to it. And the truth is, God killed it. The flies are evidence that there's maggots. Maggots are evidence that something's dead. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. The fifth plague was that the Egyptian cattle died. But I, but I love it about the fifth plague is that the Israelites' cattle wasn't afflicted. Which means you saw folk on your job get let go, but you got promoted. I, it doesn't make any sense. Cattle represents income. It represents revenue. It represents money. The Egyptians uh, went through a money problem. Let me help you understand what the recession was about. It was about the fifth plague. God says, I'm going to let some of the Egyptians' stuff die. I'm going to let their revenue dry up. But I'm going to keep you intact. And you're going to be doing better now making less than you've ever made than when you made more. And, and you're going to be trying to sit there and figure out how is it that it's happening. God says, because... I'm setting you up for some Passover. Just so maybe say, there's a revelation in communion. There's a the sixth plague was that there were boils or disease on the Egyptians, but the disease did not afflict the Israelites. Now, if y'all say, "Man, I won't get in your business right here," if you don't say, "Man," the Holy Ghost will talk. Because truth be told, some of the stuff you didn't run with and done, you ought to got something. But God said, even in the plague, I protected you. Your, your bloodline susceptible to breast cancer, but I covered you. Your, your, your bloodline susceptible to alcoholism, but I covered you because I've invested too much in you and I will not lose on my investment. God says, if I didn't let you die yet, why are you trying to give up now? I've invested far too much in you. seventh plague was that hail and fire rained from heaven, yet it did not consume the Israelites' land. Now, notice this, even though it didn't consume their land, they're still affected by the plague because it affects their employer. Oh God, if I had time. Touch your neighbor, say the plague. 
hell and fire rain from heaven. Which meant this. They were getting confusing messages from God. <laughs> Let me talk to this side of the church. <laughs> on one hand, God said, Moses, go ask Pharaoh to let you go. And on the same hand, God is raining down hell, fire, and brimstone. Now, God, we're getting two different messages from you. One message you told us, it's our time to get out of this mess and get out of this bondage. The other message is you're sending hell, fire, and brimstone. What in heaven's going on? If I ever felt like that, like you're getting mixed messages from God. So you're like, Lord, just send me a text. That way I can read it and know what you mean. This is God. Don't trip. It's going to be all right. The eighth plague. Watch this now. I'm going to get in your business. Locusts fill the whole earth. Uh, which means this. Uh, your whole world seems to get jacked up and it seems like nothing works right. But here's the deal what you need to know. Locusts represent bad decisions. The eighth plague is you start making a bunch of permanent decisions from a temporary plague. You, you, you start making bad decisions now because you make decisions based off of your bank account rather than what he told you. You, you start making decisions based off of what folk opinion are but rather than what the word said. So now you start making decisions based off of what somebody told you and they've never accomplished anything in their life. So of course they have no reason for you to accomplish anything in their life. But you, you somehow listen to them. Worst thing you could do is listen to somebody that's never achieved anything. Because they don't want you to. When, when folk trying to tell you and talk about this is what I would do. You need to say, well, what do you have? And what have you done? And please understand, don't think just because they got a little money and a couple degrees on their wall that they know something. Because there's a lot of rich idiots. And all God is doing is letting them prosper so that after a while when he transfers that over, Bishop would have to work that hard to get it. You're not hearing what I'm saying. And the wealth of the wicked shall be stored up for the I don't care how stupid you are, just make your money. Because in a few days it's going to be transfer time. Are you still here? Locusts fill the whole earth, which means they start making horrible decisions. And it ends up being the source of their own destruction. Most people are self-destructive in nature. They end up causing their own pain. They end up causing their own trauma. They end up causing their own chaos. They don't know how to control their anger, so they react with wrath. And they want to blame the person they took the wrath out on. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. They, they, they don't know how to con communicate. So rather than communicate and tell you that they appreciate you and love you, they, they dog you. Because they don't know how to communicate. Oh, the truth is they don't want to be vulnerable. Because the last time they were vulnerable, they were hurt. So now, rather than be vulnerable to you, I'm going to hurt you before you get the opportunity to hurt me. You're not saying anything. Somebody say locusts. I'm going a little slow now because I want you to get the thing, but I'm going to preach real hard in the beginning, okay? All right. The ninth plague, darkness fills the whole land. Here's what that means. You can't trace God. You don't know where he's at. 
and you don't know where to go or what to do. You have nobody to call. Nobody seems to understand where you're at. You feel like all is lost. And at this moment, you have a moment of depression because you feel like, why even go on? I don't even know where I'm at. It's dark around here. It's, it's darkness. The tenth plague. And here is, touch your neighbor and say, this is how you know where you're at. See, you look through these plagues, and I'll tell you what's, where you're at in your life. Got it? As in the natural, so in the spirit. Here's the tenth plague. The firstborn die. The firstborn represents the dream or vision that was in your life that looks like it's dead. You had plans, you had dreams, you had hopes, you had aspirations, and now the tenth plague is it dies. Are you still here? It looks like it's dead. It's, it's, it's not breathing. There's no life coming from it. There are no vital signs that are coming from it. And so it's in that moment you go through all of those journals you wrote and all of those collages you made and all of those confessions you've been speaking. And you go through that and say, why was I doing this in the first place? Because it looks like it's dead. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes things look like they're dead to see how you'll respond. Sometimes God lets things look like they're dead to see what you do. In the Gospels, when they thought Jesus was dead, the truth began to manifest about the people that were really for him. See, there's some of you that are sitting up here, folk have already eulogized you. They already wrote your story. They already wrote you off as dead. They already wrote you off as nothing good's going to come out of them. They look at you like they look at Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Anything good going to come out of your life? You're still 50 and you ain't this. You're still 60 and you ain't this. You ain't been married yet. You ain't got kids. You ain't got this. You ain't this. this, 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 this. And folk have you. Am I talking to some folk? That folk have eulogized you and folk have wrote you off. But even though it looks like you're dead, that's how that story ends just like it was for crisis the same way it's going to be for your life they thought he was down and out for the camp but they didn't understand that during those three days he was getting some keys he was getting some principles he was learning some stuff he was getting molded and he was getting remade and he was being transformed and he was being renewed touch your neighbor says it's not over to God says it's over it's not I can't die until it's I fulfill my purpose. I can't go. It's not over until God says it is. The tenth plague is the plague that caused Pharaoh to say, let them go. I, I need to tell you how to come through stuff. The Bible says, you can read it in Exodus, that a mixed multitude came out. And there was none feeble among them. Which means while you're going through your plagues, the purpose of your plagues is to build you. But if you get stuck on one of your plagues, but Jesus said you got to make it through all ten. No, 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 you, 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 you got to make it through all ten. I, I wish I could get up here and tell you, oh, after plague two, it's over. But it's not. I says plague two. I wish I could tell you after plague three, it was going to be over. But it's, and it's not. The purpose of the plagues is to build you. And if you curse the plague, you will not be built. And watch this. If you only make it to plague nine, then Egypt is never going to let you go. 
That's why some of you keep repeating the same stuff in your life. And you say, why do I keep going through the same situation? Because you never beat the plagues. You cursed it. You, you, you never beat the level. I mean, you sitting here trying to get Mario to put you on the next level, but you ain't beat where you're at. Here's the deal. God may give you a season of temporary rest, but he's going to put you right back in that thing until you conquer it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God. You think, ooh, I got out of this, and then God will be like, mm-hmm. you're going to pass this level, man. You, you're going to rise up and be a king and a prince. You're going to be all that I have ordained for you to be. You're not going to be some loser. You're not going to be some mistake. God's created you to be more than average, and he says, I'm not going to let that happen, so. You might as well just beat the level. The tenth plague. Now watch this. Here's what's interesting. Am I helping anybody? The tenth plague seems like the dream is dead. The vision's dead. The Bible says people perish without vision. Proverbs 2019. Where there is no vision, people perish. Watch this. The reason sometimes you feel like life's not worth living is because you lost a vision of why you're living. Uh, Life is worth living. You're not living to die. You are living to live. But Bishop, I've been through some stuff. Who hasn't? Welcome to the club. We all have the same t-shirt on. We've all been drinking the same Kool-Aid. Say Passover. And I watch this. If you make it through the plagues, now you can see where you're at in your life based on the plagues, right? How many people say, Bishop, I'm right around that 10th plague? Come on, put your hand. All right. All right. Now, if you say, Bishop, I don't have no plagues, I don't have no problems, I don't have no issues, everything is wonderful. Well, number one, you need to repent for lying. And then the second thing you need to do is get ready because some plagues from the cup. It gets me sometimes, people, you talk to just, no, I'm fine, everything's good, everything's good. But I say, where do you live? Deni- you denial, that's where, I'm a vacation there sometime. Come on, let's be real. Everybody's got some issues going on. And maybe you don't have issues with folk out here. Maybe your issues with the one you look at in the mirror and say, why can't you just do right? Why can't you... So the first step to getting home is admitting you got some problems. Say communion. But God has given us communion, Passover, as a way to take us out of Egypt and put us into a place called promise. And guess what? The the journey doesn't end there. Because once you get to that promise, there's another promise to go to. So here's the problem a lot of people have is they, they reach one pinnacle. And they think, that's it, I'm here. You're 28. You're 78. You're still breathing, which means you still got life. So if you still got life, that's not the end. See, Paul, when he was done reaching every pinnacle, the Bible says, I'm poured out like a drink offering. Paul said, I have nothing else to give. I'm done. I've done everything I'm supposed to. Well, you're not there. Doesn't ever say, you're not there. I know you think you felt like you're there because you raised two kids. Oh, but I know. <laughs> but you're not there. So God's method for us to come out of that place is through communion. Are you getting this? There are six things that communion does for you. I want you to get them real quick. You ready? 
Number one, it leads you to wholeness. Bishop, drinking that juice and eating that cracker leads me to wholeness. Absolutely. See, he uses spiritual things that don't really make sense to us. That doesn't make sense. Come on, let's think about it. That makes sense to our natural man. It leads you to wholeness. Now watch this. Wholeness is a process. Some people, let me tell you what some people want. Some people are, are, and you've heard me use this term before, and it's not to be tough or whatever. Some people are drug addict saints. They want to have all of these knockdown, down drag-out experiences so that all of their stuff gets fixed. Not understanding that wholeness is a process. You can get knocked down and fall out, but you're going to have to get up and deal with you. Huh? Communion leads you to wholeness. It's a process. See, see, you got all these holes, because we all have holes from stuff that's happened to us. Because you've been shot at. Mr. Pat, I know that. The Bible says the fury darts. What do darts do? Pierce. So, so we've all been shot at. You get this? We've all been shot at. You've been, some of you have been shot at by your parents. Some of you were shot out by your family. Some of you were shot out by your ex-husband. Some of you were shot out by your ex-girlfriend. Some of you were shot out by the this, that, and the other. Some of you were shot out by... You've been shot at, so you got holes. And the only solution to having holes is to be made whole. But you're not going to get that. Let me help you understand this. Because see, some of you try to get whole through relationships. If I get somebody, ooh, I'm going to be whole. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to suck all the life out of them. And once you can suck it out of them, they ain't going to want you no more. Some of you think, I know I'm a good whole, I'm going to have sex, and then I'm going to be whole. Because, no, let me tell you what you're doing. You're not doing anything but creating deeper holes. Because now the holes you're creating now create false marriages. And now you got false marriages. And, and, and now you got all kind of spiritual stuff you got to overcome. You're trying to get whole by creating holes. That's counterintuitive, counterproductive. Come on, let's say it. You're drinking, drain out. I know how I fix my holes. I work a lot. I work so much, I have no way to even notice I got holes. You'd be Swiss cheese walking around not knowing that the wind's blowing through you. I know how I fix my holes when I'm alone and by myself and God's trying to deal with me and he starts talking to me and it starts getting real intimate because God starts confronting you with yourself. I know what I'll do. I'll call somebody on the phone so that I don't have to be by myself. And God says, you're creating holes to be whole. And there's only one answer. My blood and my body. Number two. It seals and reminds you of your covenant with God. Y'all mind if I just teach it to you today? It seals and reminds you of your covenant with God. In scripture, covenant had to be cut with blood. Why? Because blood costs somebody everything. Blood is evidence that somebody was cut. Blood is evidence that there's been death. And so that means it cost somebody everything. So there was no covenant that could be cut or made uh, without blood being shed. Communion seals and reminds you of your covenant with God. There are going to be times where you're going through the place and you're going to be like, I can't take this. This is too much pressure. I, I can't do this. I can't go through this. And, but when you have communion, you remind yourself, but I righteousness of God. He was wounded for my transgression and bruised for my iniquity and with his stripes. I, I, I may feel like I can't do this, but I got a covenant with him. A covenant is a 
unbreakable agreement. Got it? God says, I made a covenant with you. Genesis 12, I bless you that you'll be a blessing. And don't worry about cursing, cussing them folk out that, got, that mess with you. I'll curse them that curse you. This is my covenant with you. Are you getting this? Communion reminds you of your covenant with him. Because there's sometimes you're going to forget. There's going to be sometimes you're going to feel like, am I even saved? <laughs> Communion will remind you of your covenant with God. The third thing, are you getting this? The third thing, watch this. Oh, Jesus, we read it. It's divine medicine that attacks sickness. Okay, now I'm going to preach right here. Watch this now. Sickness, disease, uh, they have spiritual origin. Bishop, what do you mean? Even the etymology of the word suggests what I'm saying. Disease. There is a diseasement with your spirit. And it manifests in your body naturally. And most disease is transferred and communicated through the blood of Jesus. But that's why communion is the blood of Jesus. Because what I'm doing is there may be sickness in my body. But what I'm doing is having a spiritual blood transfusion. Which means if I can get that old blood out of here and get some divine blood in me. Watch this. It, it, it is divine medicine. Uh, that's why the Bible says some folk were dying because they didn't understand how potent the medicine was. Uh, just because they prescribe it to you doesn't mean you, 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 you take it all at once. Well, which means if there's sickness in your body, God says, I've given you a way to have a blood transfusion. It's in discerning my blood in my body. And you say, Bishop, but I know people that were sick and took communion and died because they didn't know what they were doing. Because nobody ever did what I'm doing today, which is teach them what this is. So they sat there and they ate a cracker and drank some juice. It wasn't no blood, it wasn't no body because they didn't know what they were doing. Are you here? It's medicine that gives you a blood transfusion. Fourth, he remembers you. Or puts you back together. You getting this? Watch this. Remember. I want you to break it down. We are a dash member. So rather than remember to go over again, remember, he puts you back together. I need you to get it. You, 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 it was so simple, your neighbor missed it. It is not remember to go over again. It is re-dash member, which means to put your members back together. Because some of you got parts of you that are strung out in relationships from 10 years ago. Some of you got parts of you that are strung out when you were 15 and your daddy didn't show up for your birthday. And so you're still dealing with abandonment and rejection issues. And you got parts of you that are dismembered. But communion says, I will take all of your members and put them back to where they're supposed to be. But the only way I do that is if you know what you're doing when you eat my body and drink my blood. Now, for those of you that are thinking, Bishop, this sounds a little cannibalistic. You know, that's the same thing the Pharisees and Sadducees thought when Jesus said it. Amen. Amen. So it tells you what you are. Fifth, you got it? It causes you to conquer your penina. 
Uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, you got to get Sunday's uh, CD because it'll it'll tell you what Penina is. Uh, Penina, uh, for those of you that were not here, is something that wears you and tries to remind you of everything you don't have and everything you're not. Penina will walk up to you and find every problem with you. Some of y'all got friends like that. I mean, you're thinking you're looking real good. You go to work and Penina finds a problem. That is nice. Oh, look at your shoes. Why couldn't you just say it was nice? You ain't got to wear the shoes. That's nice, but that's you couldn't find a bigger size, eh? Yeah, that's how I know I'm doing full focal movement. That's a, but not, it wears on you. The only way to fully conquer that is through understanding his blood and his body. Sixth thing and the last thing. I'm going slow today because I want you to get it because we're getting ready to have it. And I want you to know what's getting ready to happen. I said we're getting ready to partake of it. And I want you to know what's getting ready to happen when you take it. No, I'm going to say it again because you're not getting it. We're getting ready to partake of it. And I want you to know what's going to happen when you receive it. The sixth thing. It causes you to judge yourself. Can I help you deal with people? Ready? No more. People crazy. Okay, here's the second thing. You got some stuff too. So I'm going to speak it over you that you're crazy. So I ain't going to say that. I'm just going to say you got some stuff. Got it? Here's what communion causes you to do. It asks yourself this question. Why are you messy? And let me translate for those of you who think I'm talking about a dirty kitchen or something. Why do you run your mouth and gossip? You call it talking so you can pray. You're a liar. Remember, that's what was going on in the church. And Paul said, it's because y'all don't know what you're doing with communion. He said, y'all sitting up here fussing and fighting, trying to beat one another down in the altar to get communion. He said, y'all sit up here fight. He said, y'all come together. It's for the worse, not for the better. Uh-huh. Communion makes you look in the mirror. And say, you know what? I could have did that different. Communion makes you go back and say, you know what? I apologize. I didn't. I was wrong. Oh God, I hit something. Cause see, your pride is going. Nah, you didn't do nothing wrong. Everybody just on you. Seem like everywhere you go. Maybe if you have problems with people everywhere you go, maybe it's not everybody else. Maybe it's you. Everybody can't be wrong. Communion makes you say, that wasn't right. I apologize. See, it's not about being perfect. See, here's what people think. Christianity is about being perfect. You make a mistake, oh my God. No, Christianity is about, I made a mistake. I apologize. Don't say you're sorry, because if you're sorry, you always be sorry. No, say, I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. That was wrong of me to do. When you offend somebody on your job and, 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 and the Holy Ghost comes and gets you and says, what was that? Communion will make you go back and say, that wasn't right of me to do. 
And I'm apologizing to you because I represent Christ. And sometimes you got to be honest with them. I, you know what? You do need to be cussed out. But it wasn't right for me to be the one to cuss you out. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You do need to get talked to real stuff. You know, you need to get your stuff put in check. But it wasn't right for me to do that. I shouldn't have cussed you. But you need it. But I shouldn't have been the one to cuss you. See, ain't nobody going to tell you this for real. They're just going to tell you, oh, call around and just the Lord. No, man, you got to deal with real stuff and real issues. Sometimes you got to tell some of your family, but you know what? It wasn't right of me to do that. You are crazy. And you do need help. But I, I shouldn't have said it like that. But that's true, though. Because don't be good. Because see, don't be making them think it ain't true. Because then they're going to say, see, they were wrong. They just got angry. No, I knew well doggone what I was doing. Listen, but it wasn't right. <laughs> but you are messy. So let me do this with your kids, son. Dog, I, you know what? I shouldn't have said it like that. But you are rebellious. And if you don't get your stuff in order, God's going to have to correct you by force. I love you, and I'm always going to love you. But if, until you serve God, I ain't got nothing I can do for you. Ready to go eat? And they're gonna, no, I don't want to go with you. No, you going to get yourself in that car. Mama, I'm 35. Get yourself in that car. Watch this. Because we're about, we're about to partake communion, right? If you don't discern that it's holy and it's time to get some things right. So I don't have to tell you what's wrong. Come on, come on, listen, listen. We all got stuff wrong. We don't need to come to ch church to hear me say for 45 minutes, this is right, this is right, this is right, right. You know what's wrong. Some stuff you don't know, and that's why I'm here to help you uproot it. So there ain't no sense in beating you over the head with stuff that you blatantly know. Watch this. But if you don't discern that at this moment it's time to get some things right in my life, there's situations going on. You, you're wearing your ties. That, that's not right. You, you, you got stuff going on. If you don't discern that this is a time to judge yourself, what does judgment mean? Correction. If you don't discern that this is a time to correct yourself, the Bible says you're going to drink judgment to yourself. Got it? Which means when you receive communion, God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to expedite. It's going to happen anyway. But I'm going to expedite you getting corrected. Are you getting this? But watch this. God says, even in my judgment, it is not to condemn you, the scripture said. It's so that you won't be condemned with the world. In other words, parents, you know, sometimes you, you discipline your children and you say, listen, I'm doing this for you because I need you to understand. I understand that's what uh, Lebronium and all that and all this and, and Keisha and their mama let them do, but you're not going to go down that path. That's what God does to you. He says, I know you see what your homie's doing and your friend's doing and your girlfriend's doing and your buddy's doing and your comrade's doing, but you're not going down that path. You're my child. So, so God says, God says, God says, God says, understand my blood in my body. It is a potent thing if you know what it is. Caviar is very expensive. What is it? Beluga. No, I think it's gross. I think, I think, I think it's gross. 
Uh, it really, I mean, I just I said, this is gross. Take, take it back. Matter of fact, you want what I ate because you can have it. <laughs> it's gross. But watch this. To somebody that knows its value, it's worth everything. Communion is priceless only if you know its value. And today we're going to receive it. We're going to be made whole. We're going to begin all of these processes in our lives. Everybody stand to your feet. Hallelujah. As the elders and ministers come. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we bless now these sacraments. And Father, it is in the name We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologists recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost water gel facial moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd. Only at BJ's.